This Kendra is where they make their mark. This is the time where you've got to turn the table. You've got to take advantage and ride this wave in this momentum. Look out! Hello there and a warm welcome to the Match Preview Podcast. Callum Williams alongside Kindred East St. Aubin as always. Lots to talk about in the opening segments of the show. Make sure you stick around for segment two as well, where we'll be joined by the head coach of Rail Salt Lake, Freddie Juarez, to talk all things Major League Soccer and a little bit about his time playing for Minnesota Thunder as well. So first, Kay, it's been a while since Minnesota United had their last game. That late winning goal against FC Dallas feels like an eternity ago. Of course, the Loons had the bye week this past weekend. As a player, is that a good thing or a bad thing after getting a little bit of momentum behind them? You know, I kind of felt like it was going to be a bad thing, just given the way that they started the season. Starting the season on that kind of a losing streak and then finally riding the ship and getting themselves kind of sorted and back-to-back wins and two very different different wins in my opinion as well and how they went about winning those games and kind of closing them out and scoring some goals and things of that nature so I felt like it was going to be a bad thing but I also do think that it's it's really dependent on the circumstances the fact that they were waiting for a couple of guys to come in um the fact that now there's an international break after the upcoming game to continue to get those those players acclimated and Adrian you know really felt that this came at a good time in the sense that Give, it's almost like a second preseason for these guys where they can just recoup, regenerate, get kind of get their wits about them, settle in a little bit. The start of the season was fast and furious. You get the two wins into your belt, and now this, you know, next or last seven or ten days of training is a much more upbeat feel to it. So um, I think ultimately for them it came as a good time, but me as a player, I think if I was healthy and fit, I would have preferred to keep on going. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting, isn't it, to see how the players are against Rail Salt Lake on Saturday. Before we get into the the details of of that game and really preview the match, you mentioned it, two new additions for Minnesota United during this little break that they've had. What can we expect from Adrian Unu and Franco Fragapane? Well, I think what you can expect from both of them is actually very different. And not just in the style of play and the position that they'll be playing, but also in Adrian Heath has talked about this a lot, the level of fitness and um, game readiness that each of them are coming in at because Franco Fregapani has literally been playing a game every four days, which isn't necessarily how the club wanted that to happen. Um, I think he was playing up till near the, nearly the night before he hopped on the plane and, and came to the United States, but he's game fit, ready to go very sharp. Um, and whereas you have Unu who hasn't played a game in what, nearly seven weeks or something like that. So um, once he kind of told his club that he didn't uh, want to play for them and he wanted to sort of move on, he has hasn't been chosen in the team sheet. So from just a physical standpoint, I think they're coming in at very different spots. What you can expect from them as players, and you know, I've only seen glimpses in person live now as opposed to watching tape or watching games. But and you and I saw this at training um, just the other day that Franco Fragapane more than happy to to tuck inside, more than happy to come inside and create. Adrian Heath said on our on our media call today as well that he can play nearly every position on the field, probably except for goalie, because um, hmm. he is only about five two. So <laughs> I don't know if you want to throw him in between the pipes, but other than that, he's really willing to play anywhere to help contribute and to help create. Um, you could see his fluidity on the ball. You could see his his technical ability. Um, both like to press high, both like to do their fair share of work and running defensively. And I think that's important in Adrian Heath's system to have a, an attacking player like, um, and are we saying, is it Adrian? 
To my knowledge, I mean, we, we'll probably, well, I'm assuming we're hopefully going to get the chance to actually speak to him uh, this week, um, or, or at least over the break. But to, to my knowledge, it is Adrian Unu. Adrian, so we'll, okay, so... We'll, we'll go with that for the time we'll, being. We'll go with that. So, Adrian, I, I think he is the type that is going to high press and, and apply that pressure, that first line of pressure that not just Minnesota United, but so many clubs seem to be doing this year, more than any other than I've ever seen um, in an MLS season where the teams are really pressing high and trying to force the turnovers in the opposition's end. And now you're going to have this group of front four, front six players that are all on that same page with the same willingness to work and defend. And I think Frego, Frank, Franco, Fregopane, and and... Adrian Anu are going to do much the same. So both just skilled, technical, good finishing abilities, good playmaking abilities can create and score themselves. So just more, more, um, you know, an embarrassment of riches. And we've said that a lot about other teams. And so it's really nice to say that about Minnesota United right now with the depth in the roster, because you have that starting group, plus some really solid players that can come off the bench and contribute. Okay. Here's the million dollar question, Kate. Franco Fragapani and Adrian Nu, do we expect them to start against Real Salt Lake? I, I would expect Franco to start. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't, you know, I mean, put, um, I, I know a, uh, Ethan Finley has been dealing with a little bit of a niggle, you know, I don't think it's anything major, but we haven't, um, he didn't, I didn't see him train in full yesterday. So, mm. um, you know, it'll, it'll depend on how the week goes for him. But I, if you could put Robin on the right hand side, which is his more favorite side, and you could put Franco on the left. And then that just means does, um, Adrian, um, start up top. So I don't think Unu can place 90 minutes. Um, could he play 60? So does that mean you start him and then you play him 60 or does it mean he comes on, you know, for 30 or 40, um, to wrap up the game? I think that's going to be, um, an Adrian Heath decision for how he comes through training this week. We also don't have any idea how sore is he going to be? How's he going to be feeling? You're going to rail Salt Lake, um, in elevation. That's a whole nother animal. So I, I think both will play, but I would see Franco starting more than I would see, um, Adrian, uh, starting and playing, but I see I see both of them on the pitch, no problem, no doubt, to help integrate them into the system. If you can go sixty minutes, it, it's almost the perfect Minnesotan storm, really, isn't it? And in some way, Kay, I wonder, are we about to see a lot of what we're about to see over the course of of the next um, what six, seven months, however long the season's lasting these days? You know, because and in in, in my um, opinion, and, and having seen these players now. One would assume that that Unu would be the one that would be the high-pressing forwards that Minnesota seems to have been searching for for an eternity. Finally, they've got their man. He was the, the long-term target. Um, and then we spoke about this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago as well. I think it's important then for, for Ramon Avila to perhaps understand his role with, with Unu coming in now. I, I would fully expect Unu to start, perhaps play the 60, and then bringing on Ramon Avila is, is, is not a bad option as well. No, it's not. And when we talk about embarrassment of riches, because I, I mean, we all know, or at least I think you and I know that Ramon Avila is not a 90 minute player. And I don't even know if he is when he's fully fit. And especially mm. when he's in elevation, I'm just not sure he's a 90 minute player regardless. So I think if you can bring him on as a sub late in the match, like for the last 30, 40 minutes, depending on um, how Adrian um, would do, how, how he would fare in that situation, those circumstances, I think that is the exact way that you would want to kind of have the stars align if everyone is healthy and fit and ready to go, if you're Adrian Heath. And I do think that, um, that, that high-pressing nature, again, that's going to be another one of those things that the players behind Unu are going to appreciate. 
and um, then his willingness to work. And then once they force the turnovers, his willingness to find the space to be available for his teammates to create and go forward. And the possession aspect. I mean, it's just so important to keep the ball when you get it. And, and I just think um, that that teammates, the, the players behind Unu are going to really appreciate his work rate, his work ethic, and his ability on the ball going forward. Now, in terms of players being available and, and fully fit, um, it is going to be a game day decision, we're told, but am I wrong to expect to see Bakai Dibassi back in at centre-half for Minnesota? I hope so. And, and again, this is one of those, I almost think it's a really weird situation for Adrian Heat to have to make some of these decisions on these players because you've just had a week off. You've just had a bye week, but now you have one game and then you have another week and a half off. So with some of these guys that are dealing with little niggles and some of these guys that are coming back fully fit and from injury that we haven't even seen yet in a game like a Nico Hansen, like a Bakke Debassi, Mm. Adrian Heath has tough decisions to make because do you give them another week or do you start it now and then hope they come through it okay and then you have the next week and a half of training so um, we'll see how they come through training this week this is to my knowledge their first full week of training in full with the group um, we're not up there every day we don't have access every day but I do think that if, if Baki Debasi can play I would love to see him start alongside Michael Boxo because the few moments I have seen at training last week and this week with him kind of in the mix and in the fold there is a there is a presence about him and I'm not saying physically communication wise he's very vocal he's very directive he's very organizational back there and I think they've missed that a little bit aside from just his actual um tactical ability and understanding of the game so and I think he works well with with Chase Gasper on his left hand side so I hope he's back in the mix I would rather see him play in this game and then have that week and a half of training and practice and with the new guys to to get um integrated back into the system and into game fitness but I think this would be a good one for him to go if, if he comes through training all week really healthy well of course that would mean there wouldn't be a place in the starting 11 for Yuka Reitera which is going to be okay because Yuka Reitela and Robin Lourdes on Sunday, to our knowledge, will be heading off to Euro 2020. And again, to our knowledge, Jan Gregush will also be uh, on the plane heading over to Euro 2020. Kendra, how, how excited, from a, a player's point of view, how excited are these chaps going to be now knowing that they're about to represent their country at the highest level possible in Europe, particularly the the two players representing Finland as well. Let's let's not forget Finland have never competed at a European Championships before. Well, I know it seems like an eternity ago, Cal, but if you remember the only road game that we did at San Jose in 2020, right before everything shut down, um, I think, you know, I was coming back through TSA in San Jose right after like a ton of TSA agents had tested positive for COVID-19. Oh. And we're like, <laughs> we just went through that. But I, I, you remember you and I sat in the hotel and we had a conversation with Robin Lud about the Euros because he assumed he was going to be going away last summer. And as, as excited and as giddy as Robin Lud gets publicly outwardly, because he doesn't, he's not like one of those that's going to be yelling and screaming and bursting. You could tell the emotion that he had 
had to represent his country at this level in this tournament. And so I am ecstatic for him and, and for him to be able to do that. And seeing his work rate every day at training, seeing his willingness to play any position that's been asked of him, even as the false nine. I think when you see guys like that get rewarded and get to play at the highest level in the, one of the biggest tournaments to represent their country. And I don't know Yuka as well. I've spoken to him a couple of times for some interviews and he seems much along the same lines as um, just as in your right, especially for the Finnish guys who have not qualified for this tournament in, in the past. I think that this is a really important moment for them. And, and Jan's always pumped to go play for Slovakia. And, you know, he's sometimes a little bit more on the fringe for them than, than others. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't necessarily start and get a ton of minutes, but he's stuck with it and contributed and, and ask anybody who's represented their country. I have never, but there's just no, nothing like it. And in, in games that count, that matter, these aren't friendlies. These are real games that mean something. So I'm excited for them. And hopefully they're all going to go and join their national teams in, in a fit and healthy form so they can represent not only their country, but they're representing the league and they're mm. representing Minnesota United when you have players of that quality that are going on international duty. Yeah, we are all um, really hoping that they come through this Real Salt Lake game unscathed. Let's uh, pray, shall we? Nobody gets uh, a little injury before heading off to international duty. Uh, so a couple of more questions then before we head to break. Um, let's let's really have a look at Real Salt Lake, shall we? Um, it's been okay for them so far. Two wins under their belts. Obviously, they claimed the first victory of the season on, on their opening day at Minnesota United in what does seem like a very long time ago now. What should we expect this this Saturday from, from Real Salt Lake? Well, it's interesting because, you know, we've listened to quite a bit of Freddy Wara speak now. We've listened to some of the players. Clearly, Minnesota United has already played uh, this club, so familiarity there. I think there's a couple of things that are just like lifelines for this team this season. 2019, late in the season, Freddy Juarez takes over. What a challenge that is when you're taking a team over late. Then you have 2020, which was just insanity and nobody knew what was going on. So many rules, so many things, stops and starts and whatever else. Then you get into 2021 and he kind of wipes the slate clean with his coaching staff, which to me was a massive um not a massive sign that things were wrong, but a massive sign to me that Freddie Juarez kind of was understanding the role of what it means to be the manager of a club and the willingness to take on someone like a Pablo Mastroeni who's done it, been there, done that. And knowing that you want somebody alongside of you that knows, might know more than you, you know, but has been there and done that. And you want to learn and complement each other. So to me, that was the first thing was him bringing in Pablo to be on his staff. And the second thing that's just been a revelation is Rubio Rubin. And nobody knew what he was going to do. I mean, we all knew how good he could be, but he's bounced around his whole career, played in other countries, was supposed to be kind of a U.S. phenom. And, and now he's just found his niche, his groove, his confidence. And that's given others around him, I think, more confidence. That, to me, has sparked the entire attack for Real Salt Lake because it frees up space and opportunity for, for Demir Krylock. Albert Rushnak has not had the season that he's probably wanted on a score sheet statistical perspective, but what he's able to do and the freedom it allows him knowing that you have a scoring threat like a Rubio Rubin, Freddie talked about it today, the ability to hold up the ball, the ability to, to find the gaps in the spaces and work with the other attacking players around him. I think these are all things that are kind of clicking um, and working for them right now. Has it all been pretty? No, go watch the FC Dallas game. 
for example. Uh And they have found a way to win and draw their games in different ways. And I think that's also a good sign is when you've been tested early, but you found a way to get things done in different. I mean, they drew FC Dallas and they absolutely got crushed in every statistical category there is. So the fact that they went on the road and drew FC Dallas with playing probably the worst game they played yet this season. I think these are all growing, you know, growing pains for that club. And they seem like a different team this year from a confidence standpoint. Yeah, let's not forget, as you bring up uh, Rubio Rubin a little earlier on, uh, Bobby Wood is set to join the club, but he won't be available until the uh, 18th of June. Where Isn't that told. funny, though? Think about that, Cal. I mean, before we played them the first time, that's all anybody could talk about. Because Rubio Rubin, to my knowledge, had not... Well, no, of course he hadn't scored yet. That was their first game was against us. Because yep. they had a bye the first week. I mean, and all of a sudden, this kid starts lighting the world on fire, and people are like, Bobby Wood who? Like, but they were expecting him to sort of be his, their savior from an attacking perspective. They hadn't scored as many goals as they should be scoring. And now you have other players that are getting the jobs done and it probably lightens up the load a little bit and the pressure that Bobby Wood's going to face the second he steps in the door. So, I mean, this is things that you don't necessarily predict when you start the season. I don't think Freddie could have predicted it either. We're told so often that goals change games and and goals in, in my opinion, can can change a person's season as well. Rubio Rubin with four goals in four games, as it stands. And as you said, I think it, it's probably the most settled Rubio Rubin that we've seen. As you mentioned, he went off and played in Holland and Denmark, Norway, Mexico. He rather bizarrely found himself playing for San Diego Loyal in, in USL last year as well and scored, I think, seven goals in five games. So it was clear he was he was better. And I say that with all due respect, he, he was better than, than USL level. And he's really settled in and, and he's, he's going to be a big threat, no doubt about it. Um, in terms of the approach from Real Salt, like when, when we saw them in Allianz Field, Kay, it was obvious they were a counter-pressing transition team, as most teams tend to be on the road. Surely that won't be the case at Rio Tinto Stadium, will it? I don't think so. I mean, this is a team that is just going to have the ability. And and this is another thing going back to Pablo, and I'm not going to like harp on him, but but listening to um, players talk about him and also the coaching staff and also watching a few of their games since he's kind of been brought in as this defensive minded, you know, guru, but how that has changed the attack for this club and their, their ability to possess the ball out of the, the back and find the linking pass. And it's all about the spacing and choosing and picking their moments of where they need to be to support each other and all starting from the back. I think that's what we're going to see from this club at Rio Tinto Stadium. It's not going to just be all about counter-pressing and transition and, and trying to catch the opposition off guard. I think this is going to be about, yeah, they'll pick and choose their moments to still maybe when to go long, when to find Rubin, uh, when he can hold up a play, uh, when you can connect through the middle. I mean, Pablo Ruiz, Ruiz, we've seen him just ping a ball side to side and switch the fields and put a ball on a dime on an overlapping Aaron Herrera. And now they've got the other youngster Brody on the left-hand side making overlapping runs. So um, I think that this is a team that has a lot of different ways that they can attack you, that they can find the space, that they can possess the ball up the field quickly or methodically. And that's what we're going to see from this Real Salt Lake team. And they know that they have a dogfight on their hands. And Freddie said that time and time again, every game in this league, it feels like a playoff game because this league is so good. The Western Conference is so good. You've got to be on your game at the start of every match, home or away, to find a, find a way to get three points. And um, I think this Real Salt Lake team is going to be is buzzing right now. Even though they came off a not-so-great game against Dallas and they drew, I think this team is going to be buzzing right now, and Minnesota's got a little payback on their mind. Okay, before we go to break, Kay, let me ask you this. 
Minnesota United two and four. How do you assess the season so far for the Loons? Oh man, you know, recency bias in my brain that um, they had two games that they've won and that uh, they found different ways to win. One, you know, keeping the shutouts, I think was important, locking it down when they needed to. And then if I go back a little farther and think of how those other four games went, it's like, oh my gosh, what, you know, I think I I was on the verge of the chicken little sky is falling because it just felt so horrendous. This was not the team that we were expecting. This is not the game that we were expecting to watch, the team that we were expecting to watch. This is not what we were expecting from the first four games. And um, yeah, they got a couple additions um, and I'm, I'm excited to see how they fit into the mix and into the fold, but you never know until they play. And, you know, to me, this is really to be determined for this club, because I think this next stretch of games when they return from international break, so not the real Salt Lake game, I'm going to kind of chalk that one up to not a meaningless game because it's important to get another another three points, but more in the sense that who is he going to play or not play knowing that there's a break. The stretch of games when they come back from break is going to be really key to me to know who who is this team really? Who is Minnesota United in 2020, 2021? <laughs> mm-hmm. I think we'll know for maybe what, four or five games in from return from break. That is who is Minnesota United in 2021. And that's going to be really telling how they come out of that international break for me. Because right now it's almost a wash. Four terrible games, two good games in, in how you finish and, and you, you know, got the victories. Not great games, but good games. And we'll see how they come back from that international break and, and kind of lock in for the rest of the season because these games are going to come fast and furious after that. Okay, well, before the international break, one more game left for Minnesota United. Away to Rail Salt Lake this Saturday evening. Stay with us. We'll chat with the head coach of RSL, Freddy Juarez, next. Minnesota United fans, save time every time when you use online check-in for a great haircut at Great Clips. Download our app or check-in online at greatclips.com. Great Clips, it's going to be great. Everyone, welcome back to the Match Preview Podcast. Callum Williams, as always, alongside former golfer soccer star Kendra D. St. Aubin. Very special guest joining us today, Kendra. Former Minnesota Thunder stalwart. He did ever so well in the USL. In fact, he did so well, they thought they'd give him the big job in Major League Soccer. Joining us on the line now, head coach of Real Salt Lake, Freddie Juarez. Freddie, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. Good. How are you guys? Thank you for having me. Wonderful. Really, really excited to have you and appreciate you taking the time as well. We know you've got a busy week looking forward and looking ahead to trying to get the better of Minnesota United. Before we get into the weeds, before we start talking in detail about the match and the season for RSL so far, let's go back a couple of years, shall we, when you played for the Minnesota Thunder. Now, you've obviously spent some time in Minnesota since then. When you were playing for the Thunder, Freddie, did you ever think in your wildest dreams that Minnesota and, and what soccer has become in this state would be what it has become with the stadium, with the fan base and the amount of players that are coming here. Now, at, at what point did you think that was a possibility? Did you ever think it was a possibility? I did. I did. And I'll tell you why. We all know Buzz Lagos, uh, legend. Um, he, he, he was the one that contracted me and took me over there. At the time, I think it was Jim Frostler was here with the GM. But 
during that time, Buzz, for whatever reason, would take me along with him to do some coaching seminars and things of that nature. And there was always this great following of, of coaches and, and obviously also the camps that Minnesota would host in the summer. That was, I think, probably the reasoning that the club even stayed in ex- existence because of, of just how that was a financial backing of what was actually pushing the team. And there was always just this ridiculous amount of interest from coaches, from, from players, from fans. My time there, we were at um, St. Griffin, Griffin, um, Griffin Stadium there in Minneapolis, a small little high school, not the best of quality of field, but you were always just like, if these guys would invest in a stadium, you saw the following and you would see some of those, that following in some of the open cup games where we, you know, we get 6,000, 7,000 um, good, nice sized crowds. Or when we, we also played a couple games in the uh, twins stadium and got some nice crowds there as well that you just wanted to see you knew the fan base was there you just wanted to see like anything else I think if you just had the almost like the build a dream type of thing if you build it they'll come and I and you know kudos to the uh, new owner that they they invested in but I thought the fan base was always amazing there and the interest from people was was everywhere we went I mean I think we even had friendly games that buzz would call reserve games if you didn't get a starting lineup and you go to rochester you go here and there and play games and there was always people watching so i think it was just finally investing in it getting everyone together to really go in one direction and and you were going to get the fan base so what was that like for you then the first time you returned to minnesota and it was allianz field i mean tcf bank was one thing and the, the teams in mls it's you know at the next level but coming back and then seeing allianz field what was that like for you Amazing. What a stadium it is. What a stadium. Um, the league's done a, a tremendous job of all the new stadiums coming up, but there's, I, I love, I love that stadium. There's, it's, you know, the height of it, it's intimate, it's loud. The touch that they did with the, um, I don't know what you call that material that allows all the lighting and that stuff. It's just a great touch to it. And the seating color, it's, you know, it's it's what our our players um, they're lucky enough to have that that and get to go there and play games in front of their fans. I can't wait till you know this gets opened up for the fans to once again get to go enjoy it, and especially you guys, Minnesota gets to enjoy because COVID hit and you still you know haven't had those you know a couple seasons in a row of enjoying that stadium. It was you know kind of broken there with COVID, but um, lucky, lucky they're they're extremely lucky to have that facility. Pretty, this might be an unfair question. Um, but when you look back on your time at Minnesota Thunder and playing soccer in, in the state of Minnesota, is there a defining moment? Is there a moment that you look back on and think that was my best moment for Minnesota? We had a, a good run in the Open Cup, eliminating we eliminated Real Salt Lake, actually, eliminated uh, Kansas City one year, eliminated um, LA Galaxy. So there was a couple, two years of runs where we did. Um, and th- I think that was always our, our highlight. Um, Buzz always talked about those. The club always talked about that because it brought some extra money that the club was in desperate need of. And and unfortunate for us, I thought we had good talent, but it's for whatever reason, it always seemed like uh, those Open Cup games always brought the best out of us. And when I go back, those were my mine and my best fun, more fun memories from the from the group was being able to to give that um, those crowds when we did get the six, seven thousand, eight thousand fans that. They got to uh, see us and witness us um, beating some MLS teams. And, of course, it's, it's always the same, right? It's a smaller club pushing that little extra and MLS teams kind of taking it light. But for us, it was we always wanted to prove something. 
Okay, so let's move on, shall we, Freddie? After you finished playing, you then, to my knowledge, were coaching all around the country before eventually you, you settled in Salt Lake and you were coaching in the Salt Lake area, eventually moving on to, to the Monarchs, working with Rail Salt Lake. You, you've worked your way up the ladder very, very well indeed. Um, what does it mean to you to be a head coach? I'm assuming this was, was always the overall aim, was to be an MLS head coach, was it not? It wasn't. <laughs> I was just happy being in the game. I was coaching back home, Las Cruces, New Mexico. Um, competitive teams that were bringing out some players that were getting to the national team and stuff. And just short story. Um, it's a long story, but just quickly just telling you, it's, I got seen uh, some players of mine were scouted by Greg Vanny and Mike Munoz, who Greg Vanny is obviously a Galaxy. He was putting together the, uh, the academy. At the time, he was... Um, he was scouting for U.S. soccer, him and Mike Munoz. Mike Munoz is a T2 coach in Toronto. Um, and they were watching a some, uh, my team at a tournament in Phoenix, and they asked me if I wanted to bring down those players. It was U15s. Um, they're saying they may – there was a chance they would get an academy sanctioned by U.S. soccer, but they had to prove that there was enough talent. So I had a couple of national team players that were in and out of pool, uh, and those young age groups, 14 and 15, that for me it was always – that was always the goal was if I could develop players and they could move on to better – you know, soccer, then that, that was the goal. And so I took them over a couple of weeks and, and uh, on weekends and they ended up keeping about eight players. And then Greg Vanny asked me if I would be interested in, in being a resident administrator and part of the coaching staff uh, because they were going to put a, uh, a residency uh, program there. The first MLS residency in the country that was hosted all in one place. So that's how it started. And I spent my time there. Greg left, Mike left, Martin Vasquez came in. We, we, we continue to put players out. And then with Garth Lagerway and Jason Christ and Jeff, they always, we always had a good relationship. And it kind of progressed me through the system of bringing me in for Monarchs and then assistant coaching uh, uh, Jeff Kassar and then just went from there. So but speaking of... An MLS coach was not the goal. I was just staying in soccer <laughs> as long as I can. <laughs> that's, a pretty good, that's a pretty good goal, though. I feel like a lot of people, and Adrian Heath has talked about this before, like the next best thing to playing is coaching. You know, yeah. you're not going to get any closer to the pitch and to the game than becoming a coach after you've had a, a fantastic playing career. So let's move on to this coaching realm of yours with Real Salt Lake. What is the difference between 2020 and 2021 for you guys if you had to peg it? Yeah, just some consistency. I mean, you know, well, consistency now that we're not getting, okay, you got to stop, you got to start, you got to stop. <clears throat> I think that really hurt a lot of the just momentum and also, you know, your fitness, all that. And then everything was so new. None of us knew how to handle anything. And everything was always like, wow, we got to do this. We got to do that. You can't train in this. So many rules, so many restrictions, all new, where I think now we have, we've experienced it, where we hadn't experienced it last year. So we can kind of you know, it's obviously lined up on the restrictions, but um, beginning of the year, we could kind of manage now with, with now having experience with some of those moments, the mask wearing, the, the social distancing, you know, where are we going to do the video? Where are we going to do that? It's, it's all now no longer new. And we know we've adapted to her as opposed to last year. It was just, it was so new and just so many headaches. No one knew how to manage anything or we did manage as best as we can, but right or wrong, it was, it wasn't always the smoothest. <clears throat> you, you've been in charge of RSL now um, since late 2019, Freddie. Um, have you had a chance to establish your identity? What, what does a Freddie Juarez team look like? Yeah, I would hope that my team plays with a lot of freedom when they have the ball. Um, structure within that freedom, but 
you do want guys to express themselves. You do want guys to enjoy playing the game they love on the offensive side. Um, some possession when it's when it's there to possess, but but aggressive uh, to go forward um, when the moment's there. At the end of the day, you got to score goals. You got to create chances. You are there to try to you know um, excite the fans. So I think you know you 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 want to go with pace when it's on to go forward. If not, you're using possession as a as a tool to create those opportunities to go forward. Then defensively, I, I pride myself on being on holding mid. We have Pablo Mastroni, who, you know, his name speaks for itself as a tenacious defender. Um, you know, I, I, I want my team to be disciplined and hard to break down. You know, a, a little bit of you, you want the best of both worlds. You know, you want a, a Real Madrid on the attack and an Atletico Madrid when you're defending. You know, easier said than done. But um, that's I want my team that when people play them, they're like, oh, man, these guys are they're, they're warriors. It's tough to to if you want to get a point from that's it's not easy home or away. You know, a lot of the guys, I think it was in the midweek media availability. It was Justin Merrim and Justin Glad were speaking pretty highly when you talk about Pablo Mastorani and what what is the difference of this club and what are some of the changes that have been made. And they said that they truly believe that the offense, the attack starts from the defense. And that's a huge piece of that has been the organization and sort of the strategy behind what Pablo has been doing from a defensive standpoint. Would you echo that sentiment? 100%. 100%. We... You know, we would say it's it's the idea tactically hasn't changed much of what we wanted to do last year. I, even if you go back two years ago, so 2019 when I took over the team, <clears throat> I think we were probably sixth in the in the league and least goals scored on. So we already had that DNA. We lost a little bit of it last year, uh, and then you know we gained it again, or we're we're really focusing on it. So now it's the structure, but I think Pablo adds some of the finer little details to some some areas of the field, some decisions of when to step, what not to. Uh, but we're trying to get back to to that. We we understand that, you know, we gotta be tough to beat. That it starts from there. And then from from good solid defense, that's our base. And from there we can express ourselves with the ball. And the reality is I was talking today in, in the last Zoom that I had was every team's so tough in this league. Like there's not an easy game. Um, home or away and ex everyone expects you to win at home and you 100% go for it but it's just as tough as going on the road because the teams they're all so quality that for us is we got to be able to those first you know 15 20 minutes of any game around the world especially here you got to be tough defensively you have to and as the game starts opening up now you can express yourself and gaps and spaces and all that start opening up but early in the game here in this league you know you got to be sound defensively and, and you have been just that, and a lot more so far as well, Freddie. Um, take us back to to what was Real Salt Lake's opening day. Of course, you had the bye in, in week one when everybody else started, but of course it was at Minnesota United where you were victorious. Without giving too much away and without going into to major details, how does one approach a game at Allianz Field and going up against an Adrian Heath side, and, and how do you get the better of that team? Well, we haven't got the best of them much, so <laughs> it's all, it's... Since their existence, that was the first win we had. So it's it's always a tough game. There's some tendencies that that coach Heath's teams have. I think every team care, takes a little bit from their coach. Um, they're, they're, we, we when we went into week one, we obviously watched the Seattle game and they were on the front foot. I thought they deserved more than the Seattle game um, than what they got. <clears throat> Very aggressive. They weren't afraid to go into into Seattle and start on the front foot and press the opponent in the attacking half. 
And so when we were going to play, we're like, if they did that in Seattle, there's we, we better expect those first 15 minutes, 20 minutes, that they're going to come with everything. And we need to try to keep the nail at, at that point. And I felt if we could survive those moments, get lucky, maybe be able to get a goal or just keep it at zeros, that, that the game will eventually open up. And I think from our history against them, especially in the last couple of years, we, we've done pretty good in possession versus them. Uh, but it was it was going to be surviving the early minutes and surviving late in the game. Uh, they got their goal late in the game, which was they kept coming. They never once took the foot off the pedal. Um, so that's kind of what we expected. Try to beat their initial press, and then from there we thought gaps would open up. And then you got to control you got to control Reynoso, which is easier said than done. But I thought we were pretty spot on in that game with Everton and 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 players putting pressure on him. Uh, as soon as he got in, and it, it, it's a handful. That that guy is really good. Uh, but I thought Everton, you know, I was actually just going over some video the other day. I thought Everton did a heck of a job of of neutralizing him. We still didn't stop him completely by no means, but, we, you know, maybe he wasn't as dangerous as, as he has been in the past. <clears throat> it seems like nowadays in this league with all the talent that has, has come in and continues to come in that you can't really have a, a 10 or a star player or a DP that doesn't defend or that doesn't play on both sides of the ball. Who on your club is that guy that, like, as, as this guy goes, we go? Or is there one individual that – kind of does that that sets the tone on both sides of the ball for you yeah I would say Demir on the defensive side I think he's a guy that you know where we, wherever we pull him he's one that's always trying to encourage a team to go Albert being another one um Rubio the new player that we've gotten in he's uh you know everyone's talking about his goals which I'm so happy we all want goal scorers so we're we're happy for him and happy for the team in that aspect but he does so much of the dirty work he's about five seven and he can hold off the biggest of guys and hold it for us when we're getting bombarded and that's a team the time you need to conserve some energy and get your air back he allows that I felt like last year we lost those moments we had clear and they'd be right back I think he allows those moments to come so it's three players that are really setting the tempo in that aspect so far pretty two one and two on the, the season how would you assess the campaign thus far? Yeah, I'm pleased. I'm pleased with the guys. I know, we're, you know, if, if you ask me, yeah, I want all, you know, all points uh, that, that have been available to us right now. It'd be great to be at 15 right now, but um, it's it's not the case. And and when I look back at all games, I've been, I think we've given our chance, ourselves a chance to win every single one of them. If I'm disappointed of any of them, it would be the, the seven-minute span there of the, the giving away the San Jose game. Um, and that then I go back to that, and that's really the only time that I was leading up to that. The energy was good in that game. The chances that we created were good in that game. Um, but there was a, there was five, six, seven minutes in there where we give up two goals that we just lost a little bit of focus. Aside from that, the training habits from the guys and the every day um, and the, the five games that we played, you've seen nothing but guys looking to try to win, not not trying to not lose. So that makes me proud of the group. And last one for me, coach, is just, I know you've raved about all three of your goalkeepers, and we know that David Ochoa is away on national team duty, and, and you have two really good other options um, to bring in with Putna and, and McMath. What can you say about how that shakes out? How does that, competition is the best thing for a squad, but how does that work itself out, especially at the goalkeeping position, um, when you have two, three really good, solid goalkeepers that could be starters? Yeah, uh, as I'm as I'm learning and developing, trying to develop a team, it's the same with me. 
you know, one of the biggest things that I really wanted to become a better manager. And, and that's, I think you get to this level, that's probably the biggest challenge is, is the managing of players. And told myself from day one, starting this year, that uh, I, I just needed to be, have conversations and be honest with, with players. In this case, our three goalkeepers, uh, you know, that it was going to be competition. And it's, it was not against anyone that he didn't play. It was continue to put your head down, work, and there would be opportunity. It seems like in this league, opportunity comes at, at, at some point during the season. And so then you had to, you know, really put value into your everyday training habits. And then I owe a lot of it to our goalkeeper coach, Ignacio Hernandez, who's done an amazing job and made my job easier where they all get along. And there's mentoring going towards uh, Ochoa with still competing and trying to take his spot. But there's genuine good job, dude. Check out the film when we're showing them film. Look, you're going to need to be pay attention to this. This is from Zach. This is from Putna. And they're all doing that for one another. And that goes to the credit to our goalkeeper coach to create that environment for them and the competition. And that doesn't always happen. That's easier said than done. Cause we all expect, well, I want, I want depth and I want them to, to have a good team. So if one's not playing good, the other one, but sometimes that doesn't work out the way you want it. Sometimes there's jealousy. Sometimes there's rivalry. Sometimes like in one of the biggest things is the communication. I told you I wanted to really be honest and communicate things to players. And the other was, we focused a lot on, on team building with our uh, mental strength coaches this offseason. You try to – it's a group. It really is a group, guys, and, and we're all going to be needed. And because you're playing or not playing, you're all loved, you're all respected, and you're all valued at this club. And I have to make decisions. And so it's the worst part of the job is on the, uh, what the lineup when you give it and you see other people, especially when they're working hard, it's hard. It's hard to not play them because that's why we do it. But I think we've tried to really put a lot of value in understanding that the, the team concept but you, you said earlier on in your press conference today that you expect uh, somewhat of a, a different Minnesota to come to Rio Tinto Stadium than the one that you, you faced a couple of weeks ago. No, no doubt there's going to be subtle differences about Minnesota United for sure. But with that in mind, what sort of a challenge are you expecting? And, and is this Minnesota United side as good as they look on paper? I believe they are. I think they're a good team. I think they're a good side. I would encourage your fans not to look to into some of the results and, and the early ones it's this league's tough and it's five games six games in they're 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 an aggressive team they're an exciting team they have a lot of different pieces that they can put you together they're obviously you know to go into seattle uh was a different um minnesota that you've seen they're now going and trying to impose themselves on the rival at their place that's a different mentality um, and I expect another team to come in here and, and be ready to play. Um, there's been some changes that complicates things for us, meaning, you know, they went into Colorado. They saw a different type of how they wanted to play, and then they go back home, and it's a different type. So there's a little bit of challenge there in, in prepping for them and knowing what you're going to get. Dotson throws the things off a little bit because he's, he's used everywhere. I think that's similar to us with Demir, with Albert. Um, so it's we expect a – uh, a key team that's going to come and be very aggressive and can win the game at any time. And, you know, the tendencies, like I told you, would happen is their outside backs is going to be very influential with, with the Heath team. Uh, they're, they're big. They're, just, they're not going to change overnight. That's going to be something that we got to neutralize. Reynoso will not change. Reynoso is going to be clever, intelligent, quality, wherever part of the field, whatever system you put him in, he's going to be that. Um, so we, we just got to be ready for 
and adjust on, you know, switch of the button when, when we find out how they, how they line up. Wait, I lied. I lied. I do have one more question. <laughs> I just got to know whose skull that is behind you and what the purpose is of that. <laughs> it was a trip to Cancun. So I, I okay. It. It's a cool, it's a, it's actually wood. So the person that did it did a good job, but maybe I should have done a cooler story and said it's the last player that crossed me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was worried you were going to break out into some sort of Shakespeare or something at one stage. No, we'll be okay. We've avoided that. Uh, look, listen, uh, Freddie, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Before we let you go, just one final question from myself. Um, what is, or, or how do you define a good rail Salt Lake season this year? Uh, getting into the playoffs, um, is our first focus, um, hosting a game in the playoffs would be ideal. I think playoffs, we all know, and we all hear it's, it's the same thing, right? It's, it's, it's a different tournament, it's a different season. Anything can happen. But for me, I believe our, after what our fans have gone through in the last, just so much things, whether us not delivering last year, um, as far as results is concerned and turmoil or whatever within the club, it would be nice to to reward the the fans with the home game in the playoffs this year. That that would be, you know, a, a privilege for, from us to deliver to the fans. Wonderful. Um, Freddy Juarez and to Rail Salt Lake, thank you so much for the time. Really, really appreciate it. My thanks, as always, to the production crew, to Kindra D. St. Aubin. All eyes on the weekend. Minnesota United away to Rail Salt Lake. We'll see you there on Saturday evening.